Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Mark and Me podcast. My name's Mark. And my name's Stuart. And we're here to talk to you today about Kevin Smith and spoilers for a little bit ahead. But we have got the man himself coming up later on what? in the show. Actually, Kevin Smith. Actual on Kevin Smith. Episode one. On episode one. It's not a Kevin Smith like we found in the phone book. <laughs> it's the Kevin Smith. But I think first, it's probably important that you kind of find out who we are. I mean, I'm going to guess people who are listening to this as episode one may well have found us through each of our respective podcasts. Mark, why don't you tell us about yours? Of course. So I'm from a podcast called Skip to the End. I'm not going to end up plugging this on every episode. Don't worry, we're not going to be those people that just keep talking about this. But uh, it's important that you kind of get an understanding of yeah where we've come from. Skip to the End is a movies podcast that's fortnightly. It's me and my good friends Gemma and Ben. We've been doing it for nearly two years now, and it's right. it's a mix. So it is a movies podcast, but we talk about an old classic on the rewatch section. We talk about a new release on every episode. Uh, we run competitions. We make up random crazy games. And, you know, it, it's a really good opportunity for us to kind of get out there our thoughts on the, the latest release and, you know, talk about our love and our hate for certain films. And I think the reason it's so popular is the fact that we're very honest. We will say if a film is shit or we'll say if a film is fantastic and we're not afraid to kind of hold back. And if it is shit, you know, you're going to hear why. Um, we don't try and sugarcoat anything, but there's nothing better than getting to work with two of my best friends. And uh, if you haven't ever listened to us, go to skiptheend.co.uk because it's got all of our stuff on there. And, you know, I'd love to hear you guys on Twitter. Let us know what you think. Stu, tell us about your completely different themed podcast. <laughs> My completely different theme podcast, but really similar backstory. So I host a podcast called the New Generation Project Podcast, which is, like I say, infinitely nerdier because we primarily watch mid-90s wrestling. So it's quite a niche market out it there. It is a niche market. So, you know, you've got these really popular eras of wrestling, like the early 90s and the late 90s. We picked the bit no one watched. And we talk about that. By we, I mean me and my good friends, Adam and Paul. And yeah, we've been doing ours for about three years now. And yeah, I like to think we have a really good rapport with our audience. And we've had some really cool stuff through the podcast and met some cool people and yeah but this is a new opportunity for me to kind of talk about some different things this episode is actually called we need to talk about kevin and i feel it's a really good starting point for us to discuss either our love or our hate for kevin smith now i think it's pretty obvious Stu, that i'm a big lover of kevin smith you've known me probably six months now yeah about right oh my god i love this guy i love his films i love his comics i love his tv series this is new to me, so I want you to tell me if you're a lover of Kevin Smith or, probably most common one, the hater of Kevin Smith. Yeah, I get the feeling these days he's quite a divisive director, and I guess I kind of understand why he is, but Kevin Smith will always be quite important to me for a time and place, the time I discovered him, how I discovered him. So, especially those first five movies, mostly the first three, will always mean quite a lot to me, so... There'll always be a special place in my heart for Kevin Smith and his movies. Excellent. So hopefully this should be quite a positive episode for him. Yeah, rather than starting and we just slag off the person <laughs> that you've spoken to. If, if you kind of want me to tell the story of how I got into Kevin Smith. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So I was 15 and I woke up one morning and I had a terrible pain in my side. And I was told by my parents I had to go to school. And I went to school and had to come home. And like 48 hours later, I was dying in hospital because I had a peritonitis. My appendix had exploded. Yeah, I just said this would be a positive episode. <laughs> it's going somewhere. It's going somewhere. So there I am sat in bed for like a month. I can't 
go to school. I can't really do anything. I'm just tired all the time. But a very good friend of mine bought over a blank VHS, for those of you that remember that, with Clerks and Morats on. And I watched those two movies for a month, basically non-stop. So yeah, as far as I'm concerned, Clerks is very much a masterpiece. Amazing. I love that little story. I'm glad. He I'm helped glad. cure you. Well, it was more like, I guess at that age, like I was big into movies, like I was a big film guy. Film 4 had just launched around that time and, you know, big boxes of blank cassettes and taping as much stuff as I could. But even with Film 4 launching, like still the majority of what you saw was like big budget Hollywood films, you know, certainly at the cinemas and, and even on Film 4, the channel at the time. But you see something like Clerks and it was just unlike any movie I'd ever seen before. It wasn't necessarily about anything. It was just stuff happened. It, you know, it was restricted to two guys in a quick stop. It was different. Yeah, I can't argue with that at all. It's got its own sort of style and feel and it's kind of, because it was only made for a few thousand dollars, you kind of just think this is this is great. You kind of feel part of it watching it because it's just so raw. Yeah, and it was full of, I think, as well, like music that I really liked at the time, like Alice in Chains and Bad Religion. And yeah. Again, I don't necessarily think maybe it was just the movies I was watching, but you didn't get Alice in Chains and Bad Religion in movie soundtracks. No, I mean, when he brought out More Rats, it had Silverchair on there. And I was like, nobody is going to use Silverchair yeah. right now. It's, it blew my mind. And Weezer, like probably my two favorite Weezer songs, actually diverting momentarily are Suzanne and Jamie, which I think were both B-sides. And obviously Suzanne ended up on the Morat soundtrack and became this bizarre piece that sort of played as the outro with a monkey. <laughs> like, just where did that come from? But it's it's cool. And yeah. I, my, my experience wasn't as painful. I wasn't in hospital or about to <laughs> you die. You dying. Um, mine was the fact I had a guy that worked at Blockbuster Video who's an old friend of mine called Craig and I grew up with him. And he was kind of that movie guru because he worked there. The staff could take home a video each night. I think it was quite, right. you know, it was quite low salary, but you ended up being able to take as many films home as you want. And he was the guy to go to, like, you know, well, tell me about what the latest film is and all this. But when I went to his house, he had a DVD, which was a Region 1, quite thick case. And I was like, what is this? Like, what's this? And he was like, oh, it's Clerks by Kevin Smith. And I was like, never heard of it. He's like, you've not seen Clerks or Chase and Amy. I was like, what? Morats. I was like, seriously, I have no idea what you're on about. And he literally gave me them all, as well as the Clerks animated series. He gave oh, wow. me loads of them. And he said, go home and watch this. And I was like, I'll do it. And I, I remember just suddenly being that, I suppose now, obsessed Kevin Smith fans, which you get. You don't do it in small portions. You go out there and you get everything by him. I wanted yeah. his book. I wanted to know everything about him. I wanted to buy his figures. And it hasn't really changed sort of 15, 20 years later, which is <laughs> bad. But Clerks was amazing and I loved it. I then watched Chase and Amy. And for me, that's, I mean, we'll come to this, but Chase and Amy is the greatest film from Kevin Smith, in my opinion. I think it's got heart. It's the closest thing you'll get to like a John Hughes film. Yeah. The soundtrack again is fantastic. The acting, you know, Ben Affleck and everyone in that. Jason Lee, just stunning, you know. And that was the moment I was like, I need to see everything by this guy. And it was only at that point that Dogma was coming out in the cinema. Okay. And it was like, if you're really into it, he's just got a new film out. And when I went to the cinema to see it. There wasn't many people there, but it was probably the most popular film he's brought out at the cinema. Oh, my Lord. Like, Dogma blew me away. I couldn't believe what he was getting away with, all the religious stuff and the poo monster and everything yeah. else. It's what, what do you think of Dogma? Yeah, again, that's falls in the time frame of the Kevin Smith movies. I like it. Like you, I can definitely remember seeing that at the cinema. And... Yeah, I think you absolutely hit the point there. He wasn't a director that 
Like, very few people knew about him, but everybody that did was obsessed with him. Like, I maybe only had, like, two or three friends at the time that were really into, like, Clerks and Morats and stuff, but we were all convinced they were the greatest movies of all time. And, yeah, I remember pre-ordering the VHS of Chasing Amy, just looping back to that from HMV, and it came with, like, a script book for, I think, Clerks and Chasing Amy, or maybe just Chasing Amy. What, with it? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, amazing. Like pre-ordering VHSs like how weird does that (laughs) but yeah Dogma felt like a massive departure from those first three films but at the same time you know maybe it's just the fact that Jay and Silent Bob were still in it it was still quintessentially Kevin Smith yeah that's fair enough and I think the fact that it was quite a lot more budget you could see that some of the cast he got in were really quite well-known people Chris Rock yeah you know he's got all these great actors that suddenly it's crazy isn't it when you look back now and then you know, we we will have to talk about this later, but the 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 route he's gone down now, he's not working with these massive kind of names anymore. He's he's working with his family more and just friends and stuff, and it's it's quite a decline in the way that his fan base have not turned on him, but people just wanted to hope that he would carry on these great films like Dogma and Clerks and Morats and all these kind of humour that had the Jay and Silent Bob element, and we then got Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and it was a for me it was a film that was made for the fans. Yeah, you know, it wasn't just a, oh, let's go to the cinema. What's on? Oh, there's a scary movie two or a film here called Jay and Silent Bob. It was literally here you go, guys. If you've liked my earlier work, this is a dedication for you of all the funny stuff that you're going to remember in the first films put into a film. And I've met a lot of Kevin Smith fans that it was that was the point where it was like, now nah, I'm done. Now this is I don't want them as the main characters. I just wanted them to be those kind of guys that you see now and then. Yeah, I guess I'd go along with that. It did feel like a farewell to kind of the franchise if you like because i mean you have got threads that carry on certainly through those first three films and you know more rats and clerks i think happened the day after each other if you sort of look into the time frames and stuff and hear references and that kind of thing but i was surprised he brought them back yeah like a whole film as well yeah but but i thought it worked it was definitely something i enjoyed and like you say there was enough references enough insider stuff there for the fans that yeah, I could imagine somebody perhaps who had never seen a Kevin Smith film walking into that film and being completely perplexed yeah. as to what was going on. And I could kind of feel that a bit with Dogma as well, because I think you do kind of have to have an affinity for Jay and Silent Bob to understand what the joke is. Yeah, to- I, I can't argue. You need to know that they're just basically stoners that are just, I don't know, they're just there. In Clerks, yeah. they're just that element of a bit of humour and you see Jay's wackiness and in Morats, they're kind of those go-to guys and it was always about Kevin Smith being Silent Bob and then when he did speak giving those words of wisdom that would mean yeah. so much and when you've got them as the main characters for nearly an hour and a half two hours it just felt I don't know it was I never really wanted the to see what they were up to all the time I didn't want to know yeah. what they did all day every day it's like Clerks too like that's hand on heart not a film I'm a fan of and I think people do like that movie generally and that has talking heads at the start of it I think as well which and again, Smashing Pumpkins big, big 1979 I don't know. And and I hear rumours of a Clerks 3 and I'm just not interested in that. It, it's one of those films like Clerks, like everything I kind of need to know about Dante and Randall is kind of in that 90 minutes of black and white filmmaking from the early 90s. Yeah. And the the, the sad fact is, I mean, I, I did like Clerks 2 and I think it was because I was so besotted with everything he was bringing out. It was like, yes, yeah, so if we can get more Clerks, I want it. Yeah. But it was just that kind of... 
I know a lot of people that didn't like it and he was just using a lot of his stand-up jokes into the kind of script and it was just, you know, oh, we're seen here, let's rip Lord of the Rings about the walking then we'll, you know, uh, have a bit more dialogue and then we'll rip the joke about Anakin and it was very kind of forced, yeah. but I liked it. I, I thought it was good for what it is. I don't want to see a Clerks 3. I, I've heard a lot of Kevin Smith's Q&As recently and he has still said he wants to do it and I've, I wouldn't be surprised if they go down the route of probably Dante having a child. Right. Um, and I can see that they're then responsible and I don't know, I'm not sure which route you'll go down, but I can see that in the last film you saw him fall in love with somebody else and kind of take that friendship away between two kind of bromance they had. Yeah. Uh, and then this Emma girl came in and in the end he fell for someone else and took her away and he showed how the friendship will always be there and all this. It's a nice message, but do we really need two guys in their mid forties now? tossing burgers and making jokes about probably star trek or star you know i, I yeah. don't know it's like i swear i've read something about a mole rats too well that's the thing he's, he's announced now that they didn't go down that route it's going to be called mole brats um and okay. basically it's going to be a tv series so they're going to do a 10 part or 12 part series right. because he's got quite a lot to say but he's already said that he's going to cast his daughter as one of the main roles as i think bruce's daughter okay brody's uh, daughter brody's daughter sorry yeah um and i think like I don't know. I, I do. I need to see again what these guys are doing at mid forties that used to hang around the mall. Yeah, it's almost like it'll be a disappointment if like Brody Lee has grown up and has like a responsible job and a daughter. But at the same time, it'll be a disappointment if he's still just a guy playing Sega Mega Drive in his girlfriend's attic or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of okay with Brody being just this guy from the mid nineties who hung around in a mall. And it was. To win Shannon Doherty it's back. a very nineties film. It's yeah. a lot like the sort of clueless films that are out, and all these kind of uh, Empire Records. They had a feel. There's Days Confused. There was an era for yeah. those films, and we're not suddenly getting Days Confused two now in all or these Empire films. Records too. No, and it's like just leave it. You know, um, for me, I, I just don't want to see it. But I might be proved wrong. But yeah, I'm just not sure nowadays. Let's talk about the most recent work. So then we kind of got stuff like Cop Out, which was only directed by him. I yeah. think he didn't have a great experience with Bruce Willis at that time. But after that, we had stuff like Red State, which is completely different. different. Yeah, uh, I mean, that doesn't feel like a Kevin Smith film. It feels like someone who's had some ideas of just trying to experiment and try and make a film very different and try and make a sort of like a Tarantino feel film with different shots and try new techniques. And I, I just, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't a Kevin Smith film for me. It didn't feel like the rest of the stuff. No, if you hadn't told me it was a Kevin Smith film before watching it, I would not have known it was a Kevin Smith film. No, and I mean, we've got a friend, a mutual friend called Dave that we're lending the Kevin Smith films to at the moment. And he's coming back to me each day like, I love Clerks too, I love Morats. And it's great to see. Yeah. And he's just got to the point now where I've given Dogma and he's like, it was hilarious. And I was like, great. I was like, I'm just about to give you a film now that's... Oh, he loved Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. And I'm like, I'm going to give you a film now called Red State. And I know already he's not going to get it because no. it's not a fart joke and silly kind of toilet yeah. humour. There's, there's, there's no jokes really in it. No, if you find humour in that film, then there might be something wrong with you. <laughs> like, we'll update the listeners in a couple of weeks yeah. with saying how Dave got on with that. Yeah, we've reported him to the police. Like, <laughs> he thought Red State was a comedy. But what, did you like Red State? I mean... it. I like the performances. I think it had some good acting performances in there. I thought John Goodman, as always, is fantastic. Well, John Goodman, yeah. Yeah, you have Melissa Leo. Yeah, it's it's not a film I've gone back to. I think I have only seen it the once. And, you know, when you compare it to probably the 387 times I've watched Morats, yeah. that, I mean, that for me tells you kind of how I feel about it. 
And then obviously most recently we've had newer films. So we've just had uh, Tusk a couple of years ago. Have you got I haven't seen that actually. So this is the film that really kind of, it sounds bad, but did stick that knife in his career. Um, a lot of people lost a lot of respect because he, he's, he was smoking a lot of drugs at the time. I think he still is now. and He's making the films that he wants to make. And I respect that. I love yeah. the fact that he's not just doing what a studio tells him. He's still doing stuff for TV. So he's done a Flash episode and I think he's doing Supergirl. So he's still doing the big stuff. Yeah. But he's making films that he wants to make. And Tusk is... For anyone that hasn't seen it, it's about a guy that had an advert up on a like a sort of Gumtree site about you can come and live with me rent free and all this as long as you wear this suit, which is basically a walrus outfit. But what they didn't tell him is that he would basically cut your legs off and make you trying to become a walrus. Right. And again, I'm saying it and you're looking at me as if I'm mental. And that was the thing. It was like, I'm ripped for even when I mentioned a Kevin Smith film, like you have seen Tusk, haven't you? It was, it was to the point where I, I find it hard to defend. Yeah, it sounds that way from the plot. And it sucks, really, because I'm one of his biggest fans and I sit there and will always wave a flag of his for his early work. Like you said, his first five films, I think, are a, a, a great run. But I can't... I find it hard now to defend him when he's making films. That, like, we'll talk about this shortly, but Yoga Hose is his latest film and this yeah. is the one that's been the worst-reviewed film I've seen for a long time. I mean, the, the internet has gone crazy about it. Like, just saying he's finally releasing any old dribble and that's not me just saying it the whole of the kind of press out there every review is giving it one he's even making jokes out of it like come and see the worst film ever made and stuff like this you know but the funny thing is i think morats was kind of slated like quite heavily upon its release and you know i'm sure if you were to analyze it from a sort of film making perspective storytelling perspective you know cinematic perspective it's probably not a great film but i don't know maybe like, I loved it. Like, I couldn't get enough of that film. I don't know, again, if it was a time and a place kind of thing. And maybe Yoga Hoses will be that for some people. I mean, yeah, I mean, I will talk... After we've listened to an interview from Kevin Smith, I'll talk to you a bit more about Yoga Hoses and we can kind of discuss there. But I'd be really intrigued to kind of see what you think. So do you think it's a good time to let the listeners hear our recent interview with the man himself? Well, your recent interview. Yes. Yeah, you got to meet him. Go on, let's play it. So, Kevin, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Your top three films that have influenced you of all time. Let me see, man. Like, I always say my top five favourite films are Jaws, JFK, Do the Right Thing, A Man for All Seasons, and The Last Temptation of Christ. But honestly, I mean, those are the movies that shaped me into the filmmaker I am today, oddly enough, because when you watch those, you don't go, oh, yeah, clerks. But somehow it all came together gestalted in that. But I would say more so than those movies, like those are my favorite movies, but I wouldn't say that those are the ones that kind of did it for me. Like Richard Linklater's Slacker, that's the movie that made me want to be a filmmaker. I saw somebody else roughly my age, he was older than me, but he was selling, singing his song, which was Slacker, in the middle of Nowheresville, Texas. He wasn't in New York, he wasn't in Los Angeles and shit. So, without Slacker, I'd never do this. So i got to give it up for, to him. And then I would say, probably... Hmm, maybe The Breakfast Club? Because there's a mixture of funny shit and heartfelt shit and real things that... You know, it's fun to make people laugh, but it's way more fun to make them feel... And those buttons are very close in a person. So, like, if you could do one, generally you could do the other. And I like leaning toward that. Like, the idea of 
we've all had a good time, but you get to actually get something useful out of this at the end of the day. It pulls your heartstrings in a weird way. So I would say that Breakfast Club, definitely a big bad influence for me. And let me just try to think. What was, I mean, it's not Star Wars. I love Star Wars. And, and while Star Wars material has definitely been in everything I've done, it didn't really inspire me. Like, I never saw that movie and said, ooh, I want to do that. I saw that movie and said, that's something I could never fucking do. But I can make a movie where people talk about that shit. That's what I could do. So I'm trying to think, man. Was there a last film that I'm like, fuck, without that movie? Linklater, Hughes... Um, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of things that, you know, inspire me, but those, they really lent toward who I became as a storyteller in a big, bad way. Slacker was the one that made me a storyteller, made me think I could be a storyteller, more importantly, which is the same thing. If you think you can be a storyteller, guess what? You are a fucking storyteller. So really, it's one and the same. And John Hughes, I, I knew his work even before Richard's, and that's the guy who kind of showed me held a mirror up to my world we didn't all act like the John Hughes kids but that was the closest movies I ever saw came to explaining who I was in my world yeah. and stuff like that although those kids were all rich I didn't understand why they had problems I was like they all got fucking money but those two filmmakers probably I owe the most to fantastic if you could go back and change anything you've done in your career what would you change to learn the most from what would I change? I wouldn't redo any of the movies or anything because each one of those I learned. So even if they didn't like kill at the box office, or even if they died, like it's all a learning curve. So you know, each one of them is a big part. I mean, they're like having kids. So you never sit there and go like, well, I wish I can go back and correct that one kid or whatever. <laughs> you just kind of accept them and love them. But what would I do differently? I wouldn't be as scared about what people had to say. I was very worried about people not liking what I did in the first 10 years of my career. That's because we were raised in Miramax that way. Harvey was just like, critics are everything. Without critics, we got nothing and shit. So we played to the critics quite a bit. And, you know, I, the same people can raise you up can easily put you down by being like, this sucks or this movie stinks or he's not doing his job good or something like that. So that would immediately... I'd feel that repudiation and be like, I suck at my job, and I'd withdraw, and I wouldn't be as daring, and wouldn't want to try things, start playing it safe at a certain point in my career and shit. And that's all fear-based. That's all like, oh, I'm scared that they're going to stop me from doing this job. Never should have been afraid of that, you know? Nobody can stop you from doing this job. Sure, somebody can choose not to give you money. Nobody can stop you from being a fucking storyteller. Nobody can stop you from being a visual storyteller, man. I was a movie fan, movie fanatic. And every movie fanatic, as I said to the crowd in there, is, is a fucking movie maker, a nascent movie maker. So I knew I had it in me, but I was too scared to stand up for the shit that I wanted to do. Like, Clerks was my statement, my testimony. So it was Mallrats chasing Amy, dogma. But then I started, like, playing it safe, ran out of things to say. And then, got, and then it was just like, what is working for other people? All right, I'll do something like that. And that was fear. So I wish I, you know, now I'm older and doing this 22 years so now I don't fear anything are you kidding me I made Tusk if that didn't kill my career nothing fucking will 
So I don't, I'm not as scared anymore. I don't sit there and be like, oh man, they're going to hate this, or fucking, what if I make a movie that doesn't do well? Make them for yourself, and that's what's the best thing. At the end of the day, dude, I can't make the box office be what I want it to be. Nobody can. Not even a fucking Marvel movie can predict the box office. Yeah, they got good ideas. We're going to do well, but yeah. can't fucking tell you exactly how well they're going to do. So if you can't do that, the only thing you can control is like making the movie for you. Make the movie you want to see. Because you can't make everyone else happy, but if you can make yourself as a filmmaker happy, the storyteller happy... That's where it begins. That's all Clerks was. Clerks wasn't me going, what will make him happy? What will make her happy? It was like, I just want to see this movie. Nobody's going to make it if I don't make it. So now I kind of work with that ethos, and, and I'm happier. You know, it's just like it means you're not always going to fucking knock him out the park, and some movies aren't going to be seen as mo- as much as other movies. But You're not going to be obsessed with box office and turnouts. Just enjoy freedom, it and baby. have you're fun. You're just storytelling and shit. And then, you know... You look back after a couple of years and there's a long tail behind you and you realize, oh, I've just been making things. Like, be a maker. Fear is killing. As we Dune, Dune taught us, fear is the mind killer. And it's so fucking true, man. It's like, so often you'll fall down the rabbit hole of like, what do people think? Or fucking, oh my God, nobody likes this. Like, who cares? Somebody will like it. That's the thing, man. Even the weirdest fucking shit, even the shit I've done, which I'm like, nobody likes like Jersey Girls. I was like, nobody likes this movie. It's not true. It's an over-exaggeration. A lot of people fucking like that movie and shit like that. So, you know, and, and as a movie's life goes on, it's like you can't judge it all on an opening weekend. It's like how long a movie sticks around after. So, so I wish, that's the only thing I would change about my career, honestly. I wouldn't redo any of the movies. But I do wish that, like, I wasn't so fear-based. Um, now I'm not. And now I'm, I'm, like, I feel like, oh, I found my ball, so to speak. But... I wish that in the early days, or particularly in the middle of the career, that I didn't get so scared. Things didn't scare me off. Like, we were, we were going to crowdsource finance Red State before Kickstarter even existed. And I mentioned it in an article. We built a website for it and shit. I mentioned it in an article, and some guy was like, ew, Kevin Smith is going to beg for money for his next movie. And right away, I was just like, I'm doing that now. And I should have done it. Like, that was a cool idea, and it was an advance of everybody else. I love the uh, taking it on the road. Was it like you were the first to do it, and it was amazing that the fans could pay what they wanted, go and see it, and feel part of it. That was fun. God, that was... And we kept doing it, too. We did Red State, then we did Jane Silent Bob, Super Groovy Cartoon Movie. It was kind of yep. the same way. And then a little bit, like, Yoga Hosers. But that's my favorite part of this. Like, I love the movie going to theaters, and I love it being on home video and stuff. Everybody could see it. But, like, I know there's a bunch of people out there who dig what I do and I know I can fucking take a movie around show it to them sit around Q&A with them and they'll have a good time like more so than they have just went to the movie and watched the movie by itself so I like doing this like as much as it's for the audience this is for me too I want to end on a positive so your career highlights let me see working with Depp was a career highlight because like that was never going to happen in any other fucking way shape or form in my career unless I made Tusk so I was kind of rewarded for being weird, which I, I liked, cosmically speaking. Universe was like, here, you get to work with Johnny Depp because you made a weird choice. Um, so that was definitely a fucking career highlight. I'll be honest with you, when I came to, even before I came here, I saw it on Twitter, Prince Charles Cinema put up on the marquee, Harley Quinn Smith and Yogos using massive fucking letters. And that was kind of a career highlight as well. You know, it's more her career than mine, but still I had a part of something. Proud dad moment. A little bit, a little proud dad
so this being the first time I'd heard that interview, I mean, you you did it, what, a, a couple of months ago, maybe? Yeah, so that was at the Prince Charles um, after seeing the UK premiere of the latest film, Yoga Hosers. But there was a really cool listen, like hearing people you like talk about things you like is always a thing that I really enjoy. And I know that sounds maybe a bit creepy in a way. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, I remember hearing david byrne talk about how much he loved jeff buckley yeah and hearing kevin smith talk about how much he loved john hughes which you know is an obvious thing that the films he made in the 90s would have been influenced by john hughes's movies in the 80s but it's still cool to hear him talk about how much he likes john hughes and why he likes john hughes ironically it's the kind of passion and the heart that you hear yeah when he's talking and it's it's not artificial it's completely true it's when I, I've even mentioned John Hughes today already, talking about sort of Chase and Amy, and we haven't talked about Jersey Girl. Yeah, which is a film I actually really like. It came just after the end, if I remember correctly, of the Jay and Silent Bob era stuff. And I think it was something that was panned at the cinemas because it had Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck in it at the time. And obviously they were kind of a big Hollywood couple. You know, we're just on the heels of the Brangelina split. But before Brangelina, there was... Jaffleck was that their name I don't know whatever but, it was yeah whatever it was but yeah like Jennifer Lopez gets killed off a few minutes into the film and you get like this actually quite sweet film with Ben Affleck who I really hate but you know I can kind of tolerate him in Kevin Smith stuff and Liv Tyler they like this really sweet story about kind of a small town guy adjusting to life you know outside of the big city yeah, and I, I believe it was, you know, there's there's elements of there when Kevin lost his dad, who died, uh, quite right. recent to that film coming out. And I think he it was kind of his dedication to his dad about how this father, father figure can be such a role model. And that's, again, a film that gets a lot of stick. Uh, a lot of people are like, yeah, I like Kevin Smith till Jersey Girl, but watch Jersey Girl, because most people that say that haven't even seen it. Yeah, I, I just think it's a sweet film. Like, again, is it a cinematic masterpiece? Probably not, but... Yeah, it's got that heart in it that he talked about in the interview. And I'll plug the fact that it ends with Bruce Springsteen doing Jersey Girl, which is is a fantastic rendition of that song. And I'm a big big Springsteen fan. Yeah, and, you know, again, all of his soundtracks for me have got great songs in. I love the fact he uses great bands that have kind of for that time. Yeah, when his films are out in the 90s, he's using 90s bands and stuff like that. But, I mean getting to meet kevin smith was an honor and hearing him talk is just i could i could listen to that guy that's the one thing i'll give him the most credit for he's the guy i went there they did an hour and a half the film came on he then did a two-hour q a right i then because i i was in london i decided to go to the second screening because it was just not worth coming home because there's like a 5 a.m train home or something so i stayed for the second show and so another hour and a half I then saw the film again when I did this interview and then I had another two-hour Q&A and everyone was like, what, that's crazy, that's like five hours of him talking. This guy can talk. You just heard I asked him probably two or three questions and it's a 10-minute yeah. interview. This guy did a Q&A. You ask him a question about what was your first film that you got you into films, he'll give you an answer for half an hour and go off on about all these different stories and analogies and it's incredible, man. This guy can talk and I never, ever get bored of him. But that's that's what you want from those people when you kind of meet them, you know, be it for the first time or the 10th time. You don't want kind of one word answers. And yeah, I think what surprised me about that interview, not surprised me in the sense that I didn't expect him to be honest, but there were some very honest answers there. He's wearing his heart on his sleeve the whole yeah. way through. And he's 
he knows he said it there i'm not making films now for the for the kind of the what i should be doing he's he's doing it for him and and he said something very similar to you in terms of tusk like if that didn't kill my career i don't know what will and you know that was something you sort of said earlier on yeah and i think and do you know what's crazy about that i think the fact that it didn't kill his career he must be like well i'm going to do what the hell i want and i mean yeah. that that now leads nicely to yoga hoses so tell me about yoga hoses so yoga hoses to give you a bit of a snapshot and i'm not very good at summarizing films but it's about two teenage yoga enthusiasts that basically team up against a manhunter I'm not joking, right. um, that basically has an ancient evil presence and is threatening their whole kind of shop that they work in, kind of a clerksy store. Right. And they're also attacked by little bratsy, which is kind of those uh, little sausages. Sausage Nazis. Yep, bratsies that are dressed up and it's Kevin playing the role. They're little mini ones. So it's kind of that like silly little of... It reminded me of like, like gremlins or critters. I was going to say like ghoulies or uh, critters is a perfect yeah. example. And they're out to kind of defeat these little... Yeah, little bratsy sausages. It sounds surreal. It sounds like he's buying a lot of weed and writing <laughs> random stuff late at night. Yeah. But the fact that people have seen it and okay, they're slagging it off or whatever, but he's doing it. Like, what? He's doing it. You've got yeah. to respect the fact he's going out there and doing what he wants. He's got Johnny Depp in the film. You know, I mean, to get Johnny Depp, he did a bit of a Q&A on this and said that when Johnny Depp did um, Tusk, He's right. um, Guy Laponte, who's this French kind of police officer, kind of a, he's, it's a strange role. Uh, no one would ever believe it was him if you actually stopped and thought about it. Like, you wouldn't know it's him. He's just so kind of random and crazy. Yeah. Um, he's like a detective and he's called on to the case to help find this tusk and the killer and all this. But he said to Kevin at the end, if you ever could write another film for this part, I want to be in it. And that's right. Johnny Depp. You know, this yeah. guy's not struggling for work. He I can mean, pick and choose. And yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean 8 will be out again <laughs> soon, I'm sure. But the fact that he then, it kind of inspired him to like, yeah, let's bring him back. You know, and that's the one thing I can say. This film, for me, and I'm not dissing Tusk, but Tusk is not a great film. I can't defend it. It's silly. Yeah. But this is a good film now. Yoga Hoses is ex it's a really silly fun film. Right. I haven't been to the cinema and just kind of relaxed and just had fun for a long time. Right. And you know that that's sometimes quite important in a cinema to go there and switch off and just be entertained for silly randomness. You don't get that many more films now. It's all very serious Oscar bait films or the opposite where they're just a franchise that've got lots and lots of films coming out. Yeah. This is just nice to kind of just why not? Do you almost feel like he's doing a, I don't want to use the term lesser, but perhaps less well-received version of what it seems like Seth Rogen and his pals do? Like, I haven't seen Sausage Party yet. I gather you guys watched it on Skip to the End. Yeah. But their movies strike me very much as they get high and write a film about what they think is funny when they're high. Yeah, like Pineapple Express and this. have you seen This Is The End? Yeah, which yeah. I did like. Which is really yeah. good, I thought, and it was silly, but... They're doing what they want. And and is that almost in a way refreshing in Hollywood is that there are these sorts of pockets of people who aren't, like you say, making movies as Oscar bait or making movies because it's part of a huge franchise. These guys that, you know, are just able to make the movies they kind of want to make and not worry about whether they get critically panned or make, you know, $500 million. It's just you saying it sounds refreshing to me. It's it's nice. You know, you don't stop and think, actually, they're, they're not worrying about the box office. They're making low-budget films that will make enough money back on video on demand or DVD sales. Kevin Smith makes more money 
from his sales of merch and all the stuff that comes with his films yeah. than ever at the box office. You know, there was probably not even 500 people that went to see this yeah. film. But you know that everyone will buy the Blu-ray that comes out and the DVD and the T-shirts in his shop of it or the merch, the vinyl yeah. soundtracks. And that's he knows that he can make enough money back. And as long as he's giving back that accountant the money he borrowed, as long as he's ticking it off and it's like, we're not making the loss here, he can carry on doing this. Isn't that, have you heard what his next film is? No. So it's a final part of the trilogy. So we've got Tusk, we've just had Yoga Hoses, and the next film is Moose Jaws. Okay, so I'm just going to take a wild guess and say it's a version of Jaws with a moose in it. Scene for scene. So I've heard he's doing... Because <laughs> Jaws is one of his favourite films. You've heard him say yeah, it. Yeah. He's basically remaking it with a moose. Now, A, you're going to piss a lot of fans off because Jaws is one of the most respected... Sacred Yes, text. you don't go yeah. there. But he's having fun. He's obviously doing it for himself. It's going to be stupid. It's yeah. going to be absolutely ridiculous. But he's already said it's going to be the return of Jay and Silent Bob. Okay. Well, so, that piques my interest. Exactly. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be silly. You know they're going to be on the boat and, I don't know, maybe maybe someone like Brody's character could be Silent Bob or something random where Quint is Jay. Or... But, but do you not think they'd maybe do Brody as in Jason Lee as Brody and Jeremy London if he's still anywhere in existence as, <laughs> you know... It would, it would work. Yeah, I guess. And and I think the other beat he hit in that interview there, which, you know, plays into yoga hoses, is it sounds like it's a thing for him and his daughter. And it was quite this big moment for him to see her name up on the Prince Charles cinema. Yeah, and she's getting press and she's, you know, doing interviews for big magazines and stuff like that. And he's wanting to elevate his daughter's career. Of course he does. It's his most proud possession. It's his daughter. Yeah. Um, his wife's in a number of films as well. He wants to work with his friends. He doesn't want to pay silly money to get these massive, massive celebrities and big film stars in anymore. He's worked with Affleck. He's worked with, you know, Jennifer Johnny Lopez. Depp. And look at how it happened. You know, he just wants to have fun, probably not have to leave his family for weeks on end in the middle of somewhere to go and film. He's taken them with him. He's starring. He's getting even his daughter's friends, Lily Depp, you know, Lily Rose, you know, Johnny Depp's daughter. Oh, okay. So she's the other main role right. in this. They're having fun. You know, it's why not? And that's the thing I've got to say, you know, they're not the greatest films anymore, but he's doing what he wants. And I respect that. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I can't fault him for it. But every single person out there seems to want to fault him for it. But at the very least, we'll always have, or certainly I will always have, Clerks, Morats, Chasing Amy, these movies that, yeah, like I kind of hit on at the start, mean a lot to me for the people that they're linked to in my life and the time they're linked to in my life. Yeah, and that's something no one can ever take away. Do you want to tell the guys out there now what we're going to be discussing on the next episode? So there's a guy, like, from the 80s, who I gather is still around... Okay, that's a nice clue. Do you want to talk about some of his films he's done? Maybe Driving Me Crazy, maybe Brilliant. The Lost Boys, Goonies, Gremlins, the Burbs. Any, this is some good, good films. He's actually right now one of the most trending names on Twitter. Um, he's recently done a performance because his career has taken to music. He's right. become a songwriter and he's released an album called Angelic to the Core. So it's actually going to be Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman. We'll talk about it more on the next episode, but it's going to be a long, good hour interview with him. Oh, excellent. And we're going to be talking about all different things, not just his films, his music, his political uh, views, his 
he's had a dark time in his past. Um, yeah. I suggest you go and, you know, over the next few weeks, watch some more of his old 80s films and see what you think. And uh, I look forward to kind of sharing that with you in uh, probably about three or four weeks' time. I absolutely look forward to hearing it. So thanks everyone today for listening to the first episode of hopefully many Mark and Me's. Just to give the listener a bit more of a idea these episodes aren't going to be scheduled on a monthly basis or weekly it's as me and Stu will find someone we want to talk to or as they come one week you might get three episodes if we're literally meeting everyone (laughs) it could be two months until you get a next but we will be going on our own sort of twitter which is at mark and me uk uh, and we'll be letting people know as soon as we've got other people but we've got enough in the bank at the moment to hopefully give you enough till christmas so thanks for listening from me and from me Oh, actually, from Mark. And me. This is...